Welcome back to the Nerd Nest Podcast. I'm Bill, and this week it's just me and Rich. What's going on, Rich? Hey, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, been a busy week, but I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing really, really well. It has been my first week back with students. Uh, oh, for those of you right. that watch and don't know that I'm a teacher, I am a teacher, and it's my first week back with students. So I have been just really busy um, you know, just getting the classroom ready and then figuring out some new stuff that we were doing this year. And then I had open house. So my time to play games has been very, very limited. And then on top of that, I went, had to... I had to get my staples out the other day out of out of my arm uh, from the surgery that I had. So I've played no games except for and I got to show you you all this because this game has become one of my favorite games uh, to 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 play, and that is right here, uh, golf, uh, coffee golf. It is so so fun, and it's just right here on your phone, and it's five minutes a day. But I've been I've been going back and playing the um, the days that I missed in the past so i I absolutely love that game and i cannot i can't get enough of it it's just so relaxing especially i end up flipping a little switch on my phone so i can hear the the birds chirping and the (laughs) the golf swing when i'm playing uh what have you been playing man that's awesome i I haven't had a chance to play that yet the last time you mentioned it i really meant to to get into it but i haven't had the chance but i've been playing sea of stars i'm about four or five hours in and it is phenomenal it definitely like does a thing where it actually branches between like the what you remember from the Super Nintendo times and what you thought like you would start getting in the future from like RPGs like it really nails a like that aesthetic but brought to modern sensibilities. So I played because it's on I think it's on Game Pass and uh uh PS Plus um and I can't even remember which one I have it on. Uh I did install it and I played, like, essentially this tutorial where you are yeah. playing as Kale, and I don't remember the other character's name, uh, and, like, your kids. And it's, yes. like, showing yeah, you, yeah, hey, yeah. you know, this is the thing, and there's, like, a little flashback, and then you go up to the place, uh, yes. and that's when I stopped playing. I haven't played any more uh, past that. Um, yeah. I guess I lied. I also played a little bit of Starfield. Not much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say maybe an hour, and then I was just too tired. Like, did nothing against the game. I was too tired to play, and so I set the controller down and took a nap. <laughs> I guess, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm getting old. So uh, did you yep. get to play Starfield at all? No, not yet. I've been keeping up with, like, the discourse around it. This has been a really, like fun opportunity for fanboys of both sides to go crazy uh did you see the david jaffe thing where he was talking to someone about starfield so yeah did you see it i feel like i did but can you just just remind us and because i'm sure that there's a lot of people watching who haven't seen that so david jaffe he's the the original creator or one of the directors of god of war like the original god of war god of war one and god of war two and he was talking to someone who I think was, I guess, an Xbox fanboy. Uh, excuse me, a PlayStation fanboy. And that, oh, yes, but either I did way, see this, but go ahead. Yes, <laughs> yeah, so this person was basically saying how Starfield is disappointing. All the different ways that it's disappointing. And, like, David Jaffe was trying to, like, get him to be more precise about what was disappointing. But it was, like, very broad. And then David Jaffe's like, oh, maybe it's your choices, right? Like, maybe it's the part with 
where you have to burn the bodies and and the the guy's like yeah maybe it's a little bit of that but blah, and david jaffe's like that didn't happen in this game <laughs> yeah he just got exposed <laughs> um so that was kind of awesome it's the the fanboys um on both sides are just so absolutely exhausting it is exhausting sure. seeing this nonsense constantly just filling up my feed of people trying to get other people on stuff and like somebody like alana pierce uh oh, yeah. who works for playstation studios or she works for i don't remember who it doesn't yeah, matter sony who santa she monica worked. i think yes thank you yes she works for sony <laughs> santa monica and she was talking about playing Starfield, and people were like, she should be fired for not being loyal to PlayStation. And I'm like, <laughs> how, like, myopic can you be that, that you don't think people should, people who make games shouldn't be playing other games so they can right. be inspired to make new stuff? Like, that's ridiculous. And I, I don't understand it. We've talked about it in the past, how the same thing is creeping into the PC space where before it was like PC gamers were like this one section and then console mm -hmm. gamers were this other section. And the console gamers were fighting amongst themselves all the time. Mm -hmm. And the PC gamers were like, we're PC gamers, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but now it's like they're they're fragmenting into the handheld that they want to play sure. on, uh, you know the mm -hmm. legion go or the rog ally or the steam deck and whatever other stuff that we end up with i'm sure that we'll have these new splintered factions of people who for some yeah. reason want to try and like just scream at each other about video games and i'm like just play a game and have it be fun why can't everybody just you know enjoy it um a thousand percent yeah absolutely uh so anyway uh, that, that's the stuff that we have. You been playing anything else other than Sea of Stars? No, that's pretty much it. All right. Well, let's move on to the news, and uh, we've got a lot of news this week. It was funny. Uh, I sent a message to Rich because uh, the other guys couldn't join us, and I was like, "By the way, I haven't done the show notes yet." <laughs> um, usually, I'm the one that puts all the show notes together and stuff, but I was working on shooting a thing for for the YouTube channel that I had to do, and. Uh, I was like, if you find some stories that you want to put in there, put in there. And then he sent a message back saying, hey, this is all the stuff that happened this week. And I was like, oh, my God, all that stuff happened this week. In one so week. Yeah. Pick one. Which one do you want to start with, man? Because there's a lot. Oh, man. Um, if I, 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 was, I thought we were going to go down the line because if I, if I pick one, it has to be the Steam, the Valve hardware. Can okay. we start there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think the Valve hardware was super interesting. So yeah. uh, why don't you just do a quick recap yep. and then we'll talk about it. Yeah, so there's been a lot going on. It started almost two weeks ago now, I think, with the news that there was um, a reference to Galileo and Sephiroth, uh, two new code names for something in the Linux 6.6 .6 kernel. And the thing that was shown was that this was related to the Van Gogh APU. So for the Van Gogh APU specifically, there's some new functionality for some audio chips, uh, one for potentially speaker, one for a microphone. Um, these are things that are not in the Steam Deck, but the Van Gogh is the only chip, is, is the chip that only runs in the Steam Deck. There, there's nowhere else that the Van Gogh runs. So it started from there because it seems like if they're coding functionality for new uh, hardware, then maybe there's a new revision coming or there's a Steam Deck 2 coming or there's some other hardware coming that's using that same APU and most likely it would be Valve. 
And then, uh, sadly, it's Bradley, uh, Brad Lynch did a live stream where he broke down all the research that he's been doing into Galileo for months. So this was the first that we'd heard of Galileo. Mm-hmm. But Brad had heard about Galileo uh, a few months ago. He got a hint, basically, from from one of his viewers. And it was in a firmware or BIOS uh, that Valve had for the Steam Deck. And they'd done a bunch of data mining. Um, wasn't sure what it was actually to, but they did a bunch of data mining and he ended up giving those results after the Pharonix article. And then finally, the most recent uh, piece of news was that uh, Valve received a hardware, uh, I think a radio certification in South Korea. And so this was certified on August 28th. And the hardware ID, the model ID that they have for it is 1030. So they'd, they'd gone through this process a few times now. They went through the process for the Valve Index and its controllers, and they went through the process for the Steam Deck. And for both of those, it was one to three months before, one to three months prior to the actual release of the hardware. So this almost indicates not just that they're close to announcing new hardware, but maybe even close to releasing new hardware. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting. So... Like, there's a whole lot of speculation going on. I had speculated, uh, I'm not really a VR guy. So, uh, like, Mm -hmm. Deckard is never really at the back of my mind. I never really think about it, uh, especially because my computer is not good enough to handle VR. So, right. um, so I, I usually don't think about that. So when I saw, saw this, or when you shared that information with me, and I made my video, I was speculating, okay, well, there's a couple of different things that it could be. It could be a successor to the Steam Deck, uh, you know, get, get all those ducks in a row and, and get that thing, you know, get working on it now, um, or actually, I'm sure they've been working on it all along, um, and then release it when it's done. Valve yep. has said, you're not getting a Steam Deck 2 anytime soon, but that doesn't mean that they're not working on it, and so that's right. one thing that I thought is maybe that means that they're this is something that is leaking from the Steam Deck too. But right. then another thing that occurred to me while I was recording was the the idea of perhaps a, a new uh, APU that is more mm-hmm. efficient. Uh, we saw that with the Nintendo Switch. A lot of people pushed back on me saying that the reason that Nintendo updated their chip on the Nintendo Switch was for anti-piracy measures. And while that may be true, it also had better battery life without improving or increasing the size of the battery in the Switch. So right. the 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 newer model of the Nintendo Switch, not the OLED one, um, that I think is HSB001 or something like that. Um, that one has a newer chipset that uh, doesn't push the battery nearly as hard, and so you get better battery life on the Switch. And that's something that we could see on the Steam Deck. Now, another thing that it could be is the idea of maybe a die shrink or, or you know, something along those lines or an, a different model of Steam Deck that has the same, yeah. like a lot of the same stuff in it. It's not more powerful, but a different perhaps form factor. And I saw a lot of people saying, well, maybe it's a Steam Controller 2. And I don't Uh think that you need an APU like this for a Steam Controller Mm -hmm. 2. So that doesn't really make a lot of sense (laughs) to me. Um, But of all of those options, or if you have yet another option to add to it, what do you think is, what do you think this could, what do you, what's your gut tell you it is? Yeah. 
the funny thing was uh, in our group chat, right? Uh, Carrie and I went back and forth in terms of like what it could be, and Carrie like rightfully just kept shooting down ideas, like in terms yeah. of like it doesn't make sense for uh, specifically for it, uh, Decker to be our DNA two, and and you know he had really good reasoning for that. Um, but I think we broke down the possibilities, which is, like you said, maybe a Steam Controller 2. Steam Controller 2 doesn't make sense because of the APU and, and things like that. Um, the other option was Steam Deck Revisions. That's still on the table, like a Steam Deck Pro or something like that. The other option being a Steam Deck 2. We're, far, we're too far out from a Steam Deck 2, so that seems off the table. Then the Deckard, uh, which I think if it is VR, the there are a couple things that Brad pointed out uh, that would account potentially for it being like RDNA 2 and underpowered. Number one being that VR will be a focus in terms of like VR gaming. But another thing that will be a focus for the Steam, for the Deckard is uh, playing flat games, as he calls them 2D games, but like, mm-hmm. you know, games that are not VR games, playing yeah. those in a virtual living room or in augmented reality with a screen sort of you know, post it on your wall where there is no screen, that sort of thing. He seems he seems to think like that's going to be a focus given the underpowered nature of the Deckard. Um, and then the other possibility is like a Steam Deck set-top box, so something you plug into your TV. And I don't, I really don't know. My, my money is on Deckard just because of that's the thing that they've been working on for basically since. Um, it seems like they really kicked that into high gear since the Steam Deck was released. So that that's where I'd put my money. And hopefully we'll see some like downstream benefits to Steam Deck users. Like maybe there is a uh, slightly more powerful, slightly more efficient version of Fango that could come to a Steam Deck revision. Or maybe they need they'd need a Steam controller too in order to navigate the uh, the you know the controls of the Deckard. You mm-hmm. can't. It feels like you can't just release the Deckard without releasing controls for it. So maybe those are controls that you can use with a Steam Deck. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. But if we look at each thing, let's start with a set-top box, all right? So mm-hmm. perhaps mm-hmm. this is the reason why SteamOS 3.5 has been sitting there. Like months, right. somebody left a message on, on, the, on my video about SteamOS 3.5. When it first went into beta, uh, I posted that it's coming soon. And the reason I said it was coming soon is because up until that point, Valve was iterating incredibly fast, and it was like beta and then go, and beta and then go. And it was super, super quick. And then they dropped SteamOS 3.5 on beta, and I was like, it's it's happening soon, everybody. And then it just sat there, and it's been sitting there, and it's still not out in the stable channel. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that this could, like, if it is a set-top box, or even if it's not a set-top box, do you think that they're just waiting for whatever this is to come before they drop SteamOS 3.5? I don't know enough. It feels like, yes, it feels like that's that's some sound reasoning here, that they're waiting for their big hardware drop or waiting for something else to happen. Because, yeah, it seems like they have a lot of the stuff ready. It's available in in either in main, of course, or in even the beta channel. They've moved things up to the beta channel. So it feels like they're ready. They just are not pushing the button. But yeah, with Valve, it just feels hard to pin down what their motivations are. It does. They're always, they're not quite as cagey as Nintendo. 
uh, but they're pretty <laughs> cagey, like the way that, yeah. that they drop stuff. Um, I don't know about you, but when they announced the Steam Deck, I was caught flat-footed. You know, I yeah. wasn't really paying that close attention to it. And then they announced it. I was like, whoa, okay. This mm -hmm. is very exciting. And I'm really hoping that that's what we're about to get. So yep. if it's a set-top box, like this is something that I've been talking about for a really, really long time. I will replace my computer with it because my computer, it's a 2060. It's getting older. Um, you know, I, yes, the Steam, you know, whatever this new chipset. If it's running at a higher TDP, I don't know if it'll hit like my 2060 levels. I'm not like that dialed into hardware, um, but I would love to take what my like a, my giant massive Windows PC and replace it with a set top yeah. box, or maybe not replace it, put that on some other TV in my house. Um, is that something that you're interested in, or do you want to? Or you, you is your PC a little more modern than mine? My PC is modern. I'm using it now to stream, but like I do want a set-top box. My concern is if it's just as powerful as the Steam Deck. Well, I mean, to be honest, I have two Steam Decks, right? So maybe I just leave my Steam Deck plugged <laughs> in the entire time, and I'd have the same experience. Um, so I, if it is a set-top box, I would want it to be more powerful than the Steam Deck. I'd want it to be sort of the same experience, but at 1080p uh, being the standard the standard resolution for the same amount of performance. Yeah, and when you have um, FSR uh, on that 1080p, able yeah. to possibly upscale to 4K or 1440p, depending on what your screen is, um, that could look that could look pretty good. Now, if this is a chipset for the glasses, like you were saying, sadly, at Bradley it is saying. Mm -hmm. um, that, that that makes a little bit less sense to me because why would why would glasses like um like my and my X real glasses or the Rokinids I think are the other ones um why would you need a, a, a an APU for something like that it's essentially just a display or is he saying that it's more like Apple's headset where it's a virtual reality headset. Um, yes, because it seemed like you were describing it in both ways. Yes. So this is a virtual reality headset um, and it would be powered completely by like imagine a Steam Deck on your head. Right. Maybe a little bit more powerful, maybe a little bit more efficient, but essentially it's a Steam Deck that you wear. And so the problem with that is that it's still a little underpowered, I think, for what people would expect from VR. So then mm -hmm. the question becomes is what what would be the usage of it? And I think what Brad is is saying is that you could tar if you targeted this hardware specifically, you could get good performance out of it. But otherwise, what you get is you get your entire Steam Deck library, but you can play it in a virtual living room. So you can, you know, decorate a virtual space that you have. You can decorate it however you want with the RGBs and stuff like that, and then you can play your flat games on there. And and you could get stuff from the Steam, the trading card nonsense, and hang that stuff on your walls. You know that would that That's would actually true. be kind of cool. But when we talk about like look, if you look at the let me grab my Steam Deck here. If you look at the size of the Steam Deck, shrinking this down to something that is comfortable to wear on your head, I don't see that as an option unless you have a wire going to something else. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a puck. Um, yeah, like a puck or something like that. Uh, and that's 
if you want something as powerful as the, as the Steam Deck. If you want something more powerful, it's going to need to be a little bit bul uh, bulkier and beefier. I don't know how the battery life would be because, like, the screens are obviously much, much smaller if when you're dealing with, uh, you know, a VR headset. And I'm not an engineer when it comes when it comes to like stuff like battery. I don't know if that would require smaller batteries to power. But even even the one that Apple is talking about, like they didn't really talk about it in their video, but they like in their documentation, they showed like, hey, you have a wire that then goes to like a battery pack that you wear on your belt or something. Right. Is that compelling to you? Like, do you? Do you want to have a headset that you put on and you've got a wire that goes down to your belt um, to, to play your PC games on? Or are, are you somebody who would just prefer to play them on a TV or a computer screen? Yeah, I prefer to play them on a handheld. So, like, it works out for me that, that that's what I play is the Steam Deck or mm -hmm. other PC handhelds. I don't really – I'm not really attracted by the VR notion here. Um, I – I'm wondering if like there's going to be some unique marketing or something like that, because I'm also curious to know like how much is it worth it to them to make a revision on this APU? How many do they think they're going to sell if they sold, you know, over a million steam decks there, some marketing company were projected them at 3 million steam decks by the end of the year. How, how much percentage of that audience or, you know, not the same audience, but how many, how many people would actually go and buy a VR headset that's as powerful as a steam deck that seems it doesn't seem like there are quite as many people that would do that but i've always had a bad i think um understanding of like the people that buy vr headsets so it's hard it's a little unclear for me yeah and if you love vr i mean i have a vr headset i have the one for uh, the one for the ps5 right and i i when i got it i was like blown away at how freaking cool it was but I also learned by having one that it's a it's a gaming style that requires a little bit of prep, you know, mm -hmm. because I want to keep my stuff in good condition. So I have a case for my uh, headset uh, to protect it from stuff because I didn't want like the cats chewing on the wires or something. Yep. I always wrap up my my wire afterwards and use Velcro to, to zip it together or whatever. And then I put it in the case. Um so if I want to play a game, I got to get it out the case. I got to undo everything. I got to hook it all up and then put it on my head and then play. And if anything happens where I need my attention to focus back to the real world, I got to take it back off and set yep. it down and, you know, wipe the sweat off my face and then go do whatever it is and then come back. And it's just there's there's been a lot of times where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to play some, you know, Resident Evil uh, 8 in VR. It's too much of a hassle to set yep. up because I, I just don't leave it out all the time. And so I just lose interest in even bothering. And it, it sucks because it was really expensive and I just don't use it as much as I would like to. Yep. Uh, so when this thing, whatever it is, comes out, if it's a pair of glasses, my interest level definitely drops down. I might still pick it up because i want to be able to talk about it on the show mm -hmm. um but like i don't i don't know if i'm the core audience for this yeah, um same let's here. yeah so let's move on from the headset and steam deck 2 
You know, mm-hmm. do you think I know that's what you're probably hoping for is is because you just said your your gaming style is more handheld. Um, yeah. A Steam Deck 2, I said, I, I don't think it's too soon. A lot of people don't like it when I say that because mm-hmm. they, they think they feel like they must upgrade. Um, yeah. But it's like when people are like, I don't need the new phone, so I'm not going to get the phone this year and I'll buy next year's phone. Right. That's the way I think of it. Like the the Steam Deck 2 isn't for the people who have the Steam Deck 1. It's for the people who didn't buy anything and now right. they're ready to jump in. Uh and I feel like Valve is if they I don't I know that they don't need to compete with the other handhelds because people are playing Steam games on those as well. Um right. but if Valve wants to compete as you know for hardware wise you know, it is starting to hit the wall. It, it's it's getting there. Do you do you feel like when do you feel like is the good time for it, Rich? That that's a there's so much nuance to that, right? So like one of the things that would keep me from saying it's time for an upgrade is deck verified. So like when it comes to performance, the performance aspect of deck verified, is it deck verified? Let's just say the base expectation is 30 FPS, even though we've seen that that's not really the actual like reality of games that are deck verified. They, they're not all running at a minimum of 30 FPS. Mm-hmm. But if we were to set a, right, if we were to set a baseline of 30 FPS, is it verified if it's uh, 30 FPS on deck one, but in uh, deck two, or does, is it verified if it just runs on deck two? Like, how do you, how do we care about that? Um, I think the right I think the right move from them is to I don't know they should require that companies if they want to get verification they should require right. them to like make a little blurb that says with these settings this is the frame that, frame rate that you'll get and then have that on the store page so that you can say on the Steam Deck 1 you would get uh, uh, 30 frames per second. On the Steam Deck 2, you get 40 frames per second or something like that with the Steam Deck settings. Right. Yeah, that would be neat if it was something like that where Steam Deck 1 still has that sort of minimum of, let's just say, 30, and Steam Deck 2 gets gets a little bump. Um, It does. I I also think that it's going to be hard to justify the bump right now with the chips that are out there. Um, So for me... Like, I'm perfectly okay with the idea that this is somewhere between a console cycle and a PC cycle, right? I I certainly don't want every year a new iteration. Um, So every two years, I could see that, but I I would prefer three to four years. That's that's kind of where I would sit with it. And I'm the opposite for you. And I don't don't want every year either, but I do want Mm -hmm. every two years because that way... If you are in, if you are suddenly find yourself, I'm in the market for a new handheld, right? Th- then you aren't buying something that is four years old. You buy it, you take it home, and then you go to play, you know, whatever game comes out in 2026, and it's just like, yeah, you're not playing that. Mm-hmm. So, so like you sitting there and you're like, oh, I wish I hadn't bought that, and then Valve announces the next one, and you're like, dang it, if I had just waited three months. Then yeah. I would have been all set. But if they have a faster release cadence, then whenever you're ready to upgrade to the next one, there is a new one that is available to you. Now, I, I did say that, and somebody said that, you know, it makes it hard for devs to target this particular hardware. I don't, 
think that's necessarily true. I mean, you get uh, devs that are targeting, you know, the, you know, different levels of consoles. Um, you know, you get the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. And we had an entire big, huge discussions about whether or not the Series S is bad for Xbox. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how necessarily I feel about that, but like it, it makes it an, a good entry point for some people. And I just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like it's, it's okay if people just don't buy every single one as it comes out. Um, but Certainly. that's just, that's Certainly. just me. Yeah. I do think there's a crowd of people out there that are like, just got to have all the latest. Right. And, oh, yeah. um, and, and I don't think that the steam deck necessarily is the target audience for the steam deck. Isn't those people, those people will enjoy the steam deck, especially the first year that it's out. But the target audience, I think are people in my view are people that are coming from console gaming and are brand new to PC gaming. Uh, mm-hmm. which is why steam os is such a big factor in that in the design of the steam deck i think you know they could have easily went with windows but i think steam os is not just a way to get away from windows in terms of making sure that they have a platform that is theirs and theirs only but i think also it's a it's a vehicle to means sorry about that it's a means to um for people to have a smoother user experience yeah, and that's the thing that I love most about the Steam Deck is the user experience is really, really smooth. Um, on my PC over there, I have uh, Windows running, but I have a script that automatically loads um, Steam into big picture mode as soon as it starts. And I've also made it so that um, like, I don't have to type in my password when I turn on the, the, the PC over yeah. there. I just hit the power button, and then I wait for a while while it does its you know a PC booting thing. And then it mm-hmm. boots into SteamOS, or not SteamOS, but big picture mode, and it feels like SteamOS. It's a really good controller-first experience, which is what I am looking for because I don't play mouse-keyboard games. I just, I right. almost never do. Uh, it's very, very rare for me. All right. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, the next thing. And I think that we will uh, move on to, well, I mean, if we're talking about updates... Uh, to hardware, then I guess we got to talk about the Switch 2. Uh, there's yeah. been all kinds of of um, uh, rumors about the Switch 2, but that should not come as a huge surprise because there's been rumors about the Switch 2 for years. You know, we've been, we keep hearing about it. We keep hearing about it. But at this point, I feel like with Tears of the Kingdom out, that is essentially the swan song for the Nintendo Switch. And they're going to be moving on to whatever comes next. When the Switch 1 was uh, announced, or or launched, I mean, on March 3rd, 2017, I think, um, it was already old hardware at the time. And that was seven years ago, or math, uh, other people can do math. Uh, It was like seven years ago. This is really old hardware, and what Nintendo is able to do with that really old hardware is incredibly impressive, but like we said with the Steam Deck, you at some point, you hit a wall, and yep. they, they've got to either like build something new in order to hit the, uh, climb over that wall, and it looks like the, the, that may be happening next year, 2024. And one of the things that a lot of people are talking about is the fact that Nintendo had filed for uh, a patent 
for upscaling tech, you know, like DLSS or FSR right. or RSR, all these things that take a lower resolution picture and upscale it to a higher resolution so that it looks like it is running at a higher resolution. In Nintendo's uh, whatever uh, patent, they were upscaling from 540p up to 1080p, but there's no reason why they can't also, you know, start at higher resolutions and go to even higher resolutions. I don't think that Nintendo is trying to make a 4K device. I think that that's ridiculous uh, for people to... People are always talking about that. I don't see that as even remotely possible. Um, yeah. I think that this is going to be a 1080p device, and it's going to use upscaling technology, uh, especially because they're partnered with NVIDIA. And I think that it's you know probably going to come out next year. Uh, what what jumps out to you the most about the rumors surrounding the Switch 2? Yeah, so certainly that it's running that Matrix Awakens demo. And I think people are sort of running with that to, to a degree that I wouldn't. Like you mentioned, the 4K thing. And, and I think because this demo was was released to kind of show the power of PS5 and Xbox Series X um, when you know, for that specific generation, I think people are saying that if the demo is now running on the Switch, or sorry, the Switch 2, then of course that means that the Switch 2 has hardware that's as powerful as those two. I don't see it being, I don't imagine it's that powerful, um, but certainly the DLSS will help run those games at 4K um, if you do have it docked, but I'm just, I'm just happy it's coming, to be honest. And so <laughs> the fact that it's also you know, looking to be a, not just a step up in power, but a step relative, a step up relative to the, its competitors or its peers, let's say, right? So mm -hmm. like you said, the Switch was so far back ahead of its peers, or so far back behind its peers at the time of its release. And now it feels like this is not necessarily like parity, but it's much closer. The gap is much more, is much smaller than it was back in 2017. Uh, maybe. Because in 2017, the Xbox One and PS4, mm -hmm. uh, I think pros. I'm not sure if the pros were out at that point, um, right. but like the like those systems were the current generation, and Nintendo yep. was less. Nintendo Switch is less powerful than those. The current generation now is Series X and PS5, right. and the whatever Nintendo brings, likely to be less powerful than those not going to be they're not going to be playing catch up they are going to be probably at the same power level at like the differential between uh last gen and the switch and this gen and switch 2 or whatever it ends up being calling and for uh for those of you who weren't paying attention uh to the switch 2 news um apparently at gamescom a bunch of uh journalists got to go see what the Switch 2 uh, dev kit was and what, what it was running and stuff like that, uh, like with the Enter the Matrix thing. So I think it's really cool. Are, do you think they stick with... Like Nintendo, we always expect that they're going to do A, and then they do like X instead. Like yeah. They do wildly crazy stuff that people don't yeah. expect. Everybody's saying, well, it's clearly going to be another handheld, Right. Right. Do you think they stick with the handheld form factor, or do you think they do a set top box or something, or with a I, with a little screen, kind of like the the PlayStation uh, Portal? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. No, I I think they have to stick with handheld. I think they're going to surprise us. And maybe it's, um you know, they have that patent out there for like scroll wheels on shoulder buttons. So scroll wheels as shoulder buttons. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll think of something, some way to surprise us. But I don't think that the way they surprise us could possibly be that it's not a handheld. I think they need to make a handheld or else we'll see, you know, a Wii U slash um, GameCube situation. Yeah, and the the Wii U, well, I, like Nintendo, were, they just killed it with the Wii. Like it was flying right. off shelves. It was printing money. We saw all those memes of Miyamoto and Iwata-san uh, laughing as money shoots out of the slot, the the, the disc slot of yep. the Wii. And mm-hmm. then they announced the Wii U, which I own and I thought was a fantastic system. It was really great. And there were a lot yeah. of really, really great games on that system. Agreed. But it only sold 14.7 million units over yeah. its entire lifetime. By comparison, the Switch is already over 100 million and approaching yeah. probably going to be the best-selling console of all time. Um, it's just... It was really bad marketing on the mm-hmm. on, on the on the case of uh, the Wii U because people were confused. They were like, "Oh, is this an upgrade to my Wii? Do I need to own the Wii in right. order to use this thing?" Um, it was very very confusing. And then you know they shut it down. And one of the things that really helped the Switch do so well is that basically they said, "All right, we're going to take all of the stuff that we're working on for mm-hmm. the for the Wii U." And we're going to move all of that stuff over to the Switch. So the first year of the Switch had absolute banger after banger after banger. It had, you know, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It had Splatoon 2. It had um, Mario Odyssey, Zelda um, Breath of the Wild. Uh, it had all of these fantastic games all in the same year on that system. Yep. And that's the reason why it sold so many units. It launched with seven games. It only had seven <laughs> games at launch. And it is one of the best-selling consoles of all time because that first year was was just this slow trickle of amazing game after yep. amazing game. And, oh, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which is like the right. highest attach rate of any, of any game like ever, I think. So I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see what Nintendo does I absolutely will buy one. Are for sure. I, yeah, there's you're no gonna buy one. I'm getting one. I yeah. yeah. I'm there for every Nintendo release, so I'm absolutely buying one regardless of what they do. Um but if it's a Switch 2, I'm I'm buying several. I'm joking. I'm not buying several, but <laughs> well, but you know, you might it's sure. a handheld, so you might you might right. buy one for you and one for your wife and one for your kids or I don't know. Right. I don't remember how many kids you got, but you know, you got yep. you know, six switches in a house. That is one of the reasons why it's one of the best-selling consoles of all For time sure. because people want to play it at the same time, and uh, yeah. you don't have to worry about who's got the TV uh, because yep. each each device has its own screen. Do you By think way, it's going to be? Go ahead. You hit the nail on the head with like the trickle of releases, and that's one of the things that surprised me about how well the, they've been able to keep that up. This year has been pretty damn good for just nintendo right with pikmin 4 i think was kirby earlier this year no not not this year but pikmin 4 fire emblem obviously tears of the kingdom um and and they still 
even with all of that, they still have Super Mario Wonder coming. They still have that WarioWare game coming, which looks pretty cool to me. Um, and Super Mario RPG, which looks phenomenal. So, like, they, all of that in just this year, and they're still talking, you know, the rumors are of a Switch 2 release next year. And I, I don't think that they're, you know, putting all their eggs in this basket. I think they have enough eggs for the 2024 basket and they're saving them for the switch too. So that's my, that's my speculation, but I think, I think they've got a lot left in the tank. So you, you listed off all those games that, that came out this year for the just first party games. Correct. You know, um, not any, not even mentioning any of the third party stuff. Um, you buy a switch Two next year. Do you think you're going to be playing these games on the Switch 2? Do you think that they're going to do that backwards compatible thing? Or do you yeah. think that they are going to kind of say, all right, well, we're going to cut it off here. We're going to start over because it'll make us a whole bunch more money that way. Right, right. Um, I think so. I mean, all the rumors seem to point that way. I don't know if that's just like copium, right? Everybody's just wants it. So those are the rumors that are spreading. But I do, I do think that they've toyed around with backwards compatibility in the past. Unfortunately, the Wii U is the biggest example, I think, um, as well as the Wii. And so I think that that is a benefit to them is the, like you mentioned, the Mario Kart 8 attach rate. I think the number of people that don't want to lose their Switch library mm -hmm. is humongous. So I, I don't think it's necessarily like there was a lot of, there were a lot of talking points back in the day that, uh, especially around Sony, that people don't play their backwards compatibility library. And I think in actuality and reality, that's probably true, but yeah. there is something about me feeling like I'm losing that library, right? I, I want to avoid that loss. And so if switch two can sell me on avoiding that loss, just by giving me backwards compatibility, everyone knows they're going to make their money by reselling games. Anyway, they have, they can resell super Mario 3d all-stars again, and it would, you know, they had that limited release where they stopped <laughs> selling it on the eShop and they stopped making copies. They could release it again and make a ton of money. And they have they have no shortage of ways to re-release games and make money again. So I don't think that's a problem for them. I think that if you can help me avoid that loss, that's going to go a long way. See, I, I wonder if I were, you know, going to be an evil guy and twist my mustache. Mm -hmm. One thing that I would do is I would say, okay, uh, it is fully backwards compatible digitally and there is no mm. cartridge you cannot yeah. buy cartridges i'm only going to sell you games digitally um the what if they like did video that game company subscription oh don't start that <laughs> <laughs> you could only like, yeah so subscription <laughs> subscription fatigue is really hitting me hard mm -hmm. right now because i was same i, I was over, sitting on that couch over there with my wife and we opened up the tv and we were going to watch something and i got an alert that my disney plus subscription was increasing in price i got an alert that my hulu subscription yeah. was increasing in price we just had uh playstation announced that they were raising their price for ps yep. plus we know that microsoft just did that too yeah and it a lot of people throw shade at Nintendo for their subscription, but one thing that they didn't do, they didn't necessarily raise the price. They just gave you a different tier and yeah. said, hey, if you want to get this extra stuff, it's a little bit more money. Now, myself, I did not invest in that extra tier, so yeah. I didn't do that. But if, you know, to, to kind of cycle back to rebuying those games, Nintendo 
does not and neither does xbox or sony or any any video game publisher they do not like how much money gamestop is taken out of their pocket or target or walmart yeah. or whatever every mm -hmm. single time and if you go digital only then you don't have to worry about that there there are people where that would definitely be very bad for them because their internet's mm -hmm. garbage uh and they don't really have an option to get better internet but i could see nintendo saying all of your digital switch games are playable on switch too uh, but we had to get rid of the card slot for yeah. some reason yeah, and realistically, it, it could potentially help them design a better Switch too, right? If they don't have to worry about the actual cartridge slot. Um, so there may be some, like, if they end up doing that, there may be some real reason for that. Um, honestly, I only own the one cartridge, the one that I bought with the Switch. All of my other games are digital only. And you can guess which game I bought with the Switch. I'm going to say it was Has Been Heroes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> One two switch. <laughs> <laughs> One two switch. Oh yeah. my god. Um, yeah, if you you guys can't really, pro you probably can't see it because it's too blurry behind me. But those right there, the red stack, those are all of my physical mm. switch games. Everything else is digital. I have probably three or four hundred switch games on my Nintendo Switch library. So, uh, fingers crossed that backwards compatibility happens. Uh, all right, let's Can I move make on. One quick plug. Yeah, of you, course. Physical games plug. Um, so I, I do love physical games, even though like I love my library being digital. The reason I love physical games is because I can go to the library. My local library lets me check out video games. That's awesome. So, yeah. So check out your library. They may let you check out video games. Um, so, yeah. Shout out to libraries. Shout out to libraries. All right. Let's yes, shout sir. out to something uh, Something else. What, uh, what's next on the uh, in the show notes there that you want to talk about, Rich? Um, what about Steam turning 20? Oh my God, that makes me feel so old. So, <laughs> so old. I'm a teacher, and mm -hmm. uh, one of the one of the guidance counselors at my school is one of my old students. Makes oh, me wow. feel old, you know, like makes me feel <laughs> like an old man. I know yeah. that I look really young, but <laughs> I am not. I I am a very old man, and I remember. When Steam launched, like, I remember Half-Life uh, 2 came out, and it was yeah. like, you could, if I remember correctly, you could only play it with Steam, or it, it came with Steam, and everybody hated it. Everybody mm -hmm. hated Steam. They were like, this is garbage. Why in God's yeah. name is Valve pushing this on us? And it, it only sold Valve's games at first. Mm -hmm. And 20 years later, it is the de facto... Um, uh, you know, a video game store for anybody who has a PC, essentially. Uh, and yep. now it's 20 years old. What, like, how, what, what do you think about that? That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I just went to my Steam profile to check. I have the 19 years of service and I was a member since December 24th of, 20, of 2003. And so the experience I remember, I think might be before Half-Life 2, just before Half-Life 2. So it was Counter-Strike, and we were all playing Counter-Strike. I think it was either 1.5 or, or 1.6, one of those. Um, I think it was 1.5 1 before. I think 1.6 was when it started to move on to Steam. Anyway, so, yeah, that was the thing. Is like we all had pirated copies of Half-Life back in my day. <laughs> I don't advocate for it, but that's what we no. had. 
Um, <laughs> and so using our pirated copies of Half-Life, we were able to install Counter-Strike and we played that all, you know, in our dorms or what, whatever. And so eventually they, they ended up making it so that you needed Steam to play Counter-Strike. And so I, I was able to register my pirated copy. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it worked. But that's how I ended up my starting my career on Steam. And yeah, it was hated in so many ways. People did not want, you know, this digital platform. Um, the the Steam green was super ugly. Oh, uh, man. But I, Hideous. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think, you know, what Valve did a good job of is really understanding what people did want from a digital platform. Or really not from a, the platform at all, but from their gaming experience, right? So, like, Gabe has that famous quote about... Um, piracy being a service problem. And so I think he, you know, he really went about it or they really went about it in that way is trying to fix the service problems that people were experiencing on PC gaming. See, I I feel, excuse me, I just got done saying how old I was. And you Mm -hmm. said how, how, um, how old your account was for steam. Yeah. I just went to look, mine's only 18. So I didn't play it for the first two years, but I was, I'm also very much, a console gamer and yep. um probably actually at the time when steam came out i was probably completely sucked into world of warcraft and that's not a steam game so i was like no. oh, i don't care i'm playing world of yep. warcraft that's my jam um so yes i'm a console gamer but the pc game that i played for about seven years as the only game that i played for the most part was world of warcraft so that's probably why my account is only 18 that's funny um does it tell you the like the date when you made your account like the actual date or just the year because i'm curious if if people can find out if they could post in the comments section on the youtube channel Mm -hmm. how old your account is like what's the date i'm curious what's the what's the earliest yeah, if you click your achievement, you'll be able to see that you were a member since, and it'll give you the date. So for me, it's December 24th. So Christmas Eve. Look at that. Oh, wow. You must have gotten that for a present or something. Or yeah, you got I it for yourself as a present. That sounds correct. I do think I got like some sort of Half-Life something around that time. So that makes sense. Um, I'm trying to see yeah, which, I, which achievement am I looking for? Uh, years of service. It should if you're if you've been on for 18 years, it should it should have a big 18 on it. Yeah, it just says level. Oh, I had I clicked on it. Okay, where is it? Yep. I'm trying to find it. Bo- uh, here, holy cow! Get out of here. Oh no, that's you see that's it? not it. Sorry, uh, for the listeners no, here. Let me br- let me put this on screen so people can see what I'm looking at. Um, share screen, Steam community share. All right, so um, I'm looking on here. Then I, I, for a second there, I, I saw Community Ambassador unlocked December 25th, but that was 2016, so that's that's not <laughs> what it is. Um, where do you see the the um, thing for the age? So you should, if you go to your, you know what, I had it on my profile. So if I go to my profile, I have like one of those little rows for badges. Oh, click badges on the right-hand side, sort of towards the top middle. This is great for the people who are uh, listening yeah. to the show. I apologize <laughs> to all of you, but I'm curious. Oh, badges. Okay, I see it now. Yep. And then that's where I was. Oh, weird. So, yeah, you should have one with a number, but I don't see it here. Mine was in my, like, badges profile, so it was really quick to find it. Okay. So I, well, may, I may have to find it for you later. If yeah, I'll else. have to look uh, after. And uh, for the audio, audio listeners, just imagine... 
you know, that, you know, a couple of people who are confused and you'll, you'll be right on top of things. <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to say one of the things that really like, I mean, I was, I was into steam well enough because of, um, like I said, because of counter-strike, but I never really like it. Like you're saying console gaming was my primary platform for a long time. What really ended up getting me into steam and PC gaming. And I'm wondering if it's similar for you was after Xbox live arcade, so after Braid, after Super Meat Boy, after what was the other one? Like Fez was being developed, mm, stuff right, like right, that. Right, Those big indies. There was like, yeah. So there was a big wave two of indies on Steam. And that mm. was around like 2009, 2010, 2011, around there, where like games like Space Chem, Frozen Synapse, um, I forgot what else. But like there were just a lot of good indies on Steam. And that's when I really, really got into Steam. So I'm wondering when was the... You had it installed in 2005, it sounds like, 2004, 2005. Yeah, I guess so. But do you know when you really, like, converted to being maybe more Steam first? Um, as far as just buying games, I, I, it was definitely later. Uh, it was just because that's where most of the games were. And honestly, I know everybody's always going on and on about the feature set of Steam and how great it is. And it is great. Most of the features I just don't use. Most of the features, yeah. I, like, if I'm talking to people, I'm on Discord. Like, I'm not using Steam's Same. voice chat for stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just a store for me. But I really like one launcher. You know, I like to open up yep. Steam and click, you know, play my game. And I don't have to think about, oh, did I, did I buy this on Steam or did I buy this on Epic or did I buy this on, you know, Uplay right. or Origin or whatever. I just, I, it's just been the one that I go to because that's where most of the games were. And so when stuff comes to other, plat other stores, usually I'm just like, I'll just play something else. It's not like when we were kids and you had, you know, so many, so few options of games to play. We have so many games to play that if something just doesn't yep. come to the place that I want to play it on, I'm just like, oh, well, I'll just play something else then. Um, you, have you seen the Fox's video on on his 10,000 games? Because it's basically even in Steam, right? Like I have that problem with like 1,500 games, not to say that. I, I still think one launcher is way more convenient. I'm just realizing as you're talking about it, like I have that problem, not just with games on other platforms, but if I bought a game three months ago and it's no longer at the, like, you know, the Steam on the Steam Deck, you have that like top banner as mm -hmm. you as you started up to play your games. If it's not in that row, I might I might have forgotten about it by now, and that sucks. Yeah, and it's it's gotten even worse with uh, Humble mm -hmm. Bundle because yeah. like I subscribe to Humble Choice, which by the way is a ridiculously good deal. Every single month, you you can even say I, I'm going to skip this month if you want, and I never remember to. Uh, but every single month you basically get an email and it's like your humble games are available. And then you go yep. there and you just add them to your, your library and you just get like that top row of your, of your steam deck or whatever just gets filled yep. up with it's, all these new games. And yep. a lot of them, I'm, a lot of them I'm not necessarily interested in. And so I, what I end up doing is I take the codes and I put them in a spreadsheet to give away on yep. like, you know, during the show or something. In fact, if you are here for the for the live chat right now, I will give away a code right now. So thank nice. you guys for hanging out. Um, but it, it fills up my my library. Now I don't have the ten thousand games library like like the Fox does because that dude's just right. crazy. Like 
and, and <laughs> but I can I I did see the thumbnail. I haven't clicked on it yet, but I, I'm guessing that he has lots of issues where when he goes to like load up a library, like there's a little bit of chugging going on. I don't remember if you mentioned that, but really it's the organization, right? Like keeping track of what you have, you lose that, you know, you bought a game, that sort of thing. And then just when you, when you want to um, go play something, you get a little bit of like analysis paralysis, that sort mm -hmm. of thing. So yeah, I, what I've done in the past is I've used play night. I, I want to get back into it, but I've used play night to sort of manage my library. So it's a, it's a, game library organizer that's what play night is if you've heard of oh, launchbox okay. it's similar to that and it'll aggregate your games all into one app the reason i don't use it anymore is because i just have a steam deck right so i just play my games on on steam deck mm -hmm. um but but play night will aggregate your games into one app you double click a game and it'll launch your game but you can you can add additional data right you can say this is a five-star game this is a four-star game you can tag it you can give it a genre that sort of thing so sometimes I might be like I'm in the mood for a roguelite RPG or something, and I'll look for that in my library, and I'll sort by my score, or I'll sort by things that I've never tried before. So that makes it a little bit easier, but yeah, you've, when you've got a lot of games, it can get tough. I, I do a similar thing with, um, with my retro games. I got a big retro collection, yeah, and I've, yeah. I've got all the information scraped from... Uh, screen scrape, not screen scrape, whatever the scraping website is. I got all those games scraped on there and they all have like star ratings that people have said, right, like, this exactly. is a five star game. So sometimes if I'm like, if I want to play a retro game, I go on there and I'm like, just show me the games that are four and five stars and I'll go through them. Yeah. And anything that jumps out at me, I add to my favorites list so that I can come yeah. back to later. Um, but I, I did want to say that as far as on Steam OS and the Steam Deck, I love the sorting and filtering options that you get on the Steam yep. Deck just by default because there's so, it's it's actually really powerful and it's very easy. You just hit the it's not like nothing jumps out at you to say, "Hey, do this." But if you hit like the Y button, I think it is, it yep. brings up the filters and you can say, "I only want to see single player games that are compatible with controllers that I yeah. that I haven't played uh that I haven't played yet um and that, you know, you get all these little things and it filters out all your games and then you can say, okay, I got like six games to choose from. That helps mm -hmm. with the analysis paralysis. For uh, sure. So that's definitely something that I think that people with large libraries on Steam could take advantage of. How much? You said you have like 1,500? Yeah, 1,000 to 1,500. I'll check right now. Um, I'm like a... Ooh, 1,675, so a little higher than I oh, thought. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, humble. Um, I, I was, <laughs> right, exactly. was going to check. I just loaded it up, but I was going to look. But I have yep. my um, my emulation is going right now, so I'm not going to look. But I, I think I have about 700. So I'm like a, a a little amateur compared to you and the fox <laughs> with your crazy crazy numbers. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's 20 years old. Um, that's just crazy. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Legion Go. Uh, the Right after Russ and I talked about this on the latest uh, on the last week's episode, right, right after that, uh, I like the the episode came out, and then this posted because we talked extensively about the Legion Go, but with the, this um, AMA uh, over on their forums essentially uh, got posted, and there's some pretty interesting information. I already put out a video about this. I think you did too. Yeah. Uh, not this AMA. The video I put out came out, I think, right before the AMA as well. It was similar to your to the podcast. Um, 
but yeah, it's extremely interesting. So there's the the VRR sort of um, explanation that like there's there are a lot of people even in my comments right and all of the Legion Go videos or not sorry not the Legion Go videos the latest Legion Go video as well as the One X Fly video because those are two recent consoles or excuse me PC handhelds that do not have VRR. And the comments are all over that are like no VRR, no buy, and I get it's, it. it. It's over. It's the exact same comment on all yeah. of my videos about this, and I'm yeah. starting to think that like they're just bots. Like, <laughs> they, who are, they they're, oh, look at this! It wants me to. It wants me to join them. I'm not going to sign up. Leave me alone. No. All right, go ahead. What that. were you saying? Yeah, so there's a lot of no VRR, no buy, and so I, I assume it's not just you know my comments. Clearly, it's your comments as well, and it's probably this forum and other forums. Um, so in, in any case, he goes on to sort of explain why you know VR is great, but it's not always necessary. And he goes into like he it, it gets deep into like you know difference between frames per second and the refresh rate of your screen and stuff like that. But I think the bottom line is that like he's saying that no VRR, if you if you don't have VRR on a 144 hertz screen, that still ends up being better than VRR on a 40, 48 hertz screen. Um, I don't remember sort of what the cap is for the VRR, like the ceiling uh, for the VRR on the Ally. On the Ally? I think it's yeah. 120, isn't it? it? Like it's as low as 48 and up to 120, right. isn't it? I, that sounds right. So I was wondering why he chose 48 as the example here. Maybe just because a lot of your the refresh rate of your game, as opposed to the refresh rate of your screen, is probably going to hover closer to 48 than to 120 on the Ally. Um, but either way, I'm not sure why he chose that specifically. But I, otherwise, I think he's right, right? Like if you're getting... 48 hertz VRR, and you compare that to 144 hertz non-VRR, you probably end up winning with the non-VRR screen. Maybe. And look, so a lot of people, after I posted my last video about this, tried to explain it to me, which I appreciate, but trying to explain Mm -hmm. something like this in text is very, very difficult. For sure. Like, I had people, like, doing, like... They were counting the frames in text, like one, one, two, two, three, three, representing the mm-hmm. first frame and then the first frame again. Um, right. Here's the thing. For me, while I would prefer a VRR display only because I know that most of the time I'm not going to hit those frame rates, other people have said at the end of the day, 144 hertz is better because of this reason. And other people are saying VRR is better because of this reason. At the end of the day, if I'm playing a game, guess what? I probably am not going to notice. And somebody actually made a comment on my video. They said, I would love to, to, to have this side-by-side where you have mm-hmm. uh, a VRR display and a non-VRR display, and you're playing them side-by-side, and you don't tell people which one's which and have oh, people say which one that they like better. Now, yeah. how is that possible? To do on YouTube because, you know, you, you got to have uh, like we don't have I don't think that YouTube can have variable refresh rates. So it's like I don't think that we can put that up as a, but a that'd, that'd be a fun like you go to a mall and you give, you know, people <laughs> yeah, two different challenges. Yeah, yeah, and you make one of those shorts where like, okay, which one of these is better? And people just pick the whatever they think is better. And that's the that's the video. That would be a fun video. Yeah, I, I would like to see that. Um, but Honest, I think that most people, it's like they just don't. It's not going to matter. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. the difference between these two things is not going to matter. And the longer that I think about it, the more I come back to, you know, when the Switch came out, 
and everybody was saying, oh my God, these games look like cart garbage on, on the Switch. Or like when they when when a game comes out to the Xbox and PlayStation and Digital Foundry does a side-by-side comparison <laughs> and they zoom way in. And I'm not trying to throw shade at Digital Foundry because no, no, they do fantastic work. But they zoom like <laughs> way in on the pixels and they're like, you see how these pixels look? And I'm like, when I'm playing a game, I don't see that. I just play yeah. the game and I have fun. Same thing when the ROG Ally came out and people were comparing the screen of the Steam Deck. The, the Steam Deck screen is objectively worse than the ROG mm-hmm. Ally screen. The Ally screen right. is uh, is absolutely better. When I'm playing a game on my Steam Deck, I don't care because I'm, I'm not looking at them side by side. I can only play one at a time, so it doesn't end up mattering to me. Do you feel yeah. like you see that stuff or are you more yeah. like me where you just kind of immune to it? Um, I, I, when I ha when I am playing the ROG ally and then I go to play something else, it, this happened more so I, I didn't follow it up with the steam deck because I was reviewing something else at the time, but I did play the ROG ally and then I followed it up with, I think the INEO 2S and it was, it was, I did feel a difference. It did not feel as smooth as the ally, but that, that is like what you're saying, right? Like it's the, I'm playing one and then right back to back, I'm playing the other one and I can tell the difference. But like, as I played, I went from the INEO 2S to the 1X Fly and then the INEO Air 1S. By the time I got to the last one, I wasn't thinking about VRR. Like it, it, it's not something that where I'm like, oh, this screen isn't as smooth to me anymore. So I definitely got, it was normalized for me at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I, I do think for, for the most part, many people will not notice that, but that also, I also want to, you know, say the other way, I do think that there are plenty of people that do notice it. And if it's important yeah. to you, that should definitely be a factor in your buying. Yeah, I, I don't think out. that people who say no VRR, no buy are wrong. I right, just think exactly. that I don't care about it nearly as much as they do. Yeah. Like I made um, a video where I ranked three handhelds in different categories <laughs> I remember and this one. At the, <laughs> at the end of the video, I think the ally came out on top. And that makes sense in terms of like if you watch those specific categories, like the screen is objectively better. The audio, I think, I, I thought the audio is closer than a lot of other people did, but I think I rated the audio better on the ally. Um, so I rated the ally better on a lot of these things. But I said what's most important to me is ease of use. Um, and I forgot what else I said. Um Battery life is is another one, right? Mm-hmm. So these things are more important to me. And then, like this for that, the Steam Deck comes out on top. So it's it's that, right? Like it's what are the most important factors for you? And based on those things, you should you should buy based on that. And they all play the same games. Like they That's all right. play the same games, with few exceptions for games that won't run on the Steam Deck because of uh, anti cheat software or something like that, or uh, games that won't run on the ally for you know some other reason although those are few and far between um but it's definitely down to personal choice for um, sure my favorite even though it's not the best is still the steam deck for me yep. uh, because mm-hmm. of steam input and you know all the different inputs but that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the legion go is because it has a lot of the stuff that this, that makes the steam deck better for me and i, I to can ask ju- you about that I, yeah go ahead like I mentioned in my last video that like I'm, I'm so excited about the virtual, the vertical mouse 
But mm-hmm. I also am not the type of person. I, I think we actually talked about it in podcast two weeks ago. I'm not the type of person that's that I think is going to really use it. I'm excited that it exists and I can't wait to see other people use it. But do you think you're going to use the vertical mouse? Like, do you think you're going to prop up the tablet and then play like mouse and keyboard style almost? No, I don't think that I will. Um, I like that they're detachable because then I can easily just, you know, hook it up to a TV and then I still have all of the same inputs that I had before when it was portable. I think that that's a very, very compelling experience. So I do like that they're detachable. I think that that's fantastic. Um, But as far as like, you know, the weird um, flight stick mouse, vertical mouse thing, I don't find that to be compelling. I'm not going to be playing a game like that on a seven inch screen where I'm trying to be competitive. Um, Right, right. Same. But the things that I do like about it is the fact that it has those back buttons. It has the, um, Mm -hmm. the trackpad so that you can hopefully use it with steam input now if it if the trackpad i wonder if valve will make a thing that will allow that trackpad to work or if it's just a mouse because if it's just a mouse then it won't work with steam inputs trackpad stuff yeah and that would be very disappointing to me so right for me I love Steam Input. I think that it's great. I hope that Same. Legion, what's it, Legion Space is what they call it? Yes, Legion yeah, Space. I hope that Legion Space is competitive with the Steam with Steam Input uh, in terms of like what you can do with that because I really like figuring out new ways to play games. I'm going to go back to World of Warcraft again. Mm-hmm. I would spend more time in World of Warcraft configuring my UI that I would actually right, like right. playing. I'd be like, all right, I'm going to do this new stuff over here with this mod. I'm going to put this thing over here with that. And like, look yeah, at this cool. cool thing. All right, I'm too exhausted to play. I'm going to shut it off and go to bed. Um, <laughs> so like that kind of thing is very fun for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't care about the vertical mouse, but but the input stuff is very compelling. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, one last thing I wanted to point out here, uh, specifically, I want to point it out because I mentioned 48 watts TDP in my video. So, so there was I, a video. Yeah. yeah. So there was a video from the tech expert, mm-hmm. I think is his name. And I think that's where a lot of us got the 48 watts because we got a peek at Legion space, which I do think is like is one of the earlier parts of this, uh, you know, package, right? So I, I don't think we're supposed to take Legion space at face value the way it exists today. And one of the things that was shown was a four, a TDP slider that went all the way up to 48 watts. But in the Ask Me Anything, he sort of clarified, the person clarified that the current assumption is actually 20 watts on battery. And he says 25 watts in wallet mode. Wallet mode is a new term to me, I assume. You know, he, he means tethered to a wall. And so like a dock mode or something like that. Oh, I but could yeah. not figure out what the hell wallet mode was. Like, I was like... <laughs> Are you putting it in your pocket and using it as like your Pokemon Go thing? I right, was like, what is right. wallet mode? But yeah, boy, well, if those numbers, if 20 watts on battery, that's lower than the ROG that's Ally. lower than the Ally. Mm-hmm. And yep. so is 25 watts on wallet mode. Like that's, right. that's lower than the Ally. So this would not be as performant as the Ally yeah. in that case. And then they said that, we're working on 35-watt yep. mode exactly. uh, being available in wallet mode, but it's not a given and not a promise. Yep. Um, I, boy, that, that that's very disappointing to me because one of the things that I was most excited about was the idea that this had a much higher TDP, not so mm-hmm. that I could play it in handheld that way, 
but so I could dock it to my TV and get the, uh, a better experience when I'm, when I'm playing, yeah. especially because you don't even have to buy a dock for it because it has two USB-C right. ports. Dock it to your TV or, or to your uh, arcade cabinet? Uh, well, I would absolutely <laughs> do both. I would try it yeah. out both ways. But um, sure. actually, my ROG Ally is most of the time sits in my arcade cabinet, which is absolutely overkill. But it's the only like it's the best way to play Street Fighter Six on my arcade cabinet. So that's that's why no, I, I love doing that. that. That's great. Never change. <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. Yeah. I love that game on arcade sticks. It's really really great. Yeah. My son and and uh, some of his friends have come over and they they come up and they fight up there and then they're yelling at each other and it really it kind of brought me back to when that's I was a great. kid mm -hmm. uh, when my friends and I would play because most of the time when him and his friends play they like it's a better experience if they're at their own houses because yeah. they get the whole screen to themselves. So right. having like when his, him and his friends came over and were playing up here, like that was that very much reminded me of when I was a kid and getting experiences that he, that like my son who who's 15 didn't really get to experience because that's just not yeah. how gaming is these days. You know what I mean? That's true. Yep. All right, we absolutely went long. Uh we had a topic yes. that we were going to talk about today. Um, we're going to go very fast with it. This topic comes from Cubus, Cubus. Uh, and by the way, if you leave a topic and we use it on the show, uh, I will reply to that topic with a Steam code for you uh, for a game, uh, which I did for Cubus. But they said, uh, what is your most played? Oh, I misread the, the question. So now I've got it absolutely. Well, actually, I, I know an answer for this. Uh, he said, what is your most played non-Steam game? For me right now, it's Dungeon Keeper 2 from GOG. I read that comment as what's your most played Steam game. So I loaded oh, up Steam and it. looked it up and I was like, oh, it's it's Final Fantasy 14 with 400 hours in it. Um, wow. But my most played non-Steam game absolutely has to be World of Warcraft. It's I've got months of real time in World of Warcraft because I played that game almost exclusively for seven yeah. years. And every single, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was every single Wednesday night and every single Friday night, my friends and I would get together and we would raid. Uh, and we weren't nice. good, but we would raid every like two days a week, every single week. And it was four hours at a time. It was so much fun. Uh, what's yours? What's your most played non-Steam yeah. game now that I've got the, the, the terminology <laughs> correct? I, I'm still struggling to think of one. I think um, the... I'll I'll say that the Steam the non Steam game that I'm waiting to get on Steam the most so that I can spend dozens of hours on this is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two. So I've played it and I I keep like I'm just about to sink my teeth into it when I'm like my progress like if I have to reinstall it especially like on a Steam Deck it's a little clunky um, or something like that or like you know save games so there's no cloud save so every time I just about to sink my teeth into it I'm like maybe it'll come on steam soon. Maybe I can just not worry about it. <laughs> um, but it hasn't come on steam yet. So yeah, active Activision, maybe now that Activision is part of Microsoft or about to be part of Microsoft, maybe. Yeah. Microsoft, can you please port that to steam? That would be great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and let us know, yeah. uh, if you're watching this, let us know in the comments down below, uh, that like button, what is your most played? Actually, I want to change the, the, the topic a little. What is your most played steam game? And your most played non-Steam game. Uh, I'm very curious question. about that. Which, uh, and thanks to... The, I forgot Cubus, the name bus. already. Huh? Cubus. 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 Yeah, Cubus. Uh, thank you to Cubus yeah. for Cubus sending squared. in that. 
Cubus. Yeah, that would have been an easier way to say that. Um, <laughs> man, we have so many topics that we did not get to talk about today. Uh, just it, it, it was just it was a, such a fun conversation. So uh, sure. if you have not checked out Rich's channel, uh, Rich, tell everybody where they can find your stuff and you what you're working me. on. Yeah, you can find me at Fandadeck. This week I should have a few videos, so I should have a news video coming. I have a, the deck buttons that came out or were, went on sale recently, so I should have a review of those up pretty soon this week as well. So, yeah, I have at least two videos coming this week, so check it out. Awesome. And if you're listening to this show on your favorite podcast player and you uh, you, you want to check out the YouTube channel, head on over to YouTube.com slash NerdNest. And if you enjoyed this uh, episode, you'll probably enjoy whatever one is on the screen right now as well. From the Nerd Nest, I'm Bill. That's Rich. Take it easy, everybody. See ya.